Super Talk Mississippi media production. Let's head to Texas A&M for one of our final stops here on our spring wraparound. We're talking to Travis Brown, who covers the Aggies for the Brian. I should be able to say Brian, you would think. Brian College Station uh, Eagle. And Travis, there's just no getting around the fact that Texas A&M a season ago was the most disappointing team in the conference. Uh, a preseason uh, top 10 team uh, that finished a 5-7 and seven record, didn't make a, a bowl game. The big splash for the Aggies this offseason is bringing in Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator. When he's d- doing his work, that's one of the best offensive play callers in college football. So my question is, and I think it's the question a lot of people are asking, is Jimbo Fisher going to be able to relinquish that control and allow Bobby Petrino to be the offensive coordinator calling the plays? I mean, that is the the hundred thousand dollar question for the season, isn't it? I, it's I, a ninety five million, million dollar question. Well, that's Texas A and M. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think that every indication that we saw through spring practice was that um, that 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 process is seemingly taking place you know years past spring or full uh spring or fall practice that we've been able to see a few minutes of um Jimbo Fisher has been right there involved with anything the quarterbacks are doing uh anything with the offense wide receivers getting in people's faces whatever and and this year he, he took a step back and he was um a lot quieter a lot more observational uh when Bobby Petrino was leading those drills that normally he would have led. So from, from the little bit, it, it's hard to tell anything in spring game because the, the play calling and everything is so vanilla that uh, you, you, you don't really know what's going on or what's changed or anything like that. But the, the small indications are that, um, that it does seem like at least a little bit in practice that that process has started. Now, if A&M gets a couple of games into the season and, um, things aren't going well. That that's going to be really interesting to see how how he handles that. But um, yeah, it, it it seems like that's the way things are rolling so far, at least. I like what what AM brings back at quarterback. I think Wigman showed you last year that he can be a a guy that can be a future star in this league. I like the receivers the Texas A and M has had. You know, obviously they've recruited very well there. But I thought uh, Devon A Chain last year was maybe the most explosive playmaker in the SEC, a guy that I felt A&M underutilized. Who is going to replace him in that Aggie backfield this year? I think the veteran guys you have coming back, uh, Amari Daniels, uh, Le'Veon Moss, those are some of the guys that will um, probably step up and get a bulk of the carries. But then they have the freshman Reuben, Owen coming, Reuben Owens coming in that um, has a little bit of that burst and, and maybe – home run playmaking ability like Devon A. Chain had. So wouldn't be surprised if you saw him a little bit in the mix as well. It's probably going to be as much of a running back by committee, I would think, as you've seen under Jimbo Fisher, or really as you've seen from Texas A&M over the last uh, several years, because they've had um, a bell cow pretty much, uh, you know, since maybe they shared between Travion Williams and Keith Ford a while back. But even then, they might have three guys that can go right now. So it will be interesting to see how those guys uh, divvy up reps and um, who maybe takes the the majority of those carries. Defensively, it feels like a broken record. I know there's plenty of talent over there. They've recruited some great great players, especially on that defensive front. They were just very inconsistent uh, a season ago. Can they put that together? Can this be a top five in the SEC, a top 20 nationally defense for Texas A&M? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they 
replace, adjust, and and find some depth at linebacker. I, I, last year, it was easy to to lean back and say, well, yeah, they had a, a great a, a, at times the the top pass defense in the country but you also have to look at the fact that their run defense was so bad that teams didn't have to pass against them and so of course their numbers were going to give you i mean case in point a really bad auburn team didn't attempt its first pass of the game until like there was a minute left in the first Mm -hmm. half because they just didn't need to run them that's not saying that they didn't have some great talent in the defensive secondary and they, that they are going to have returned some great talent defensive secondary but they got to get better at run stopping uh, and get a little bit better at the pass rush as well for it to really, truly step up and be uh, a good, solid defense. But I think the the pieces are there, and especially if you look at the defensive um, linemen that they bring back with a little bit more experience. I mean, it's it's extremely deep. Um, that'll that'll be interesting to see how that all comes together. You look at the A and M schedule, and I mean, three the first three weeks you have your non conference games. Obviously, one of them is a trip to Miami, and that will be you know a, a bit of a test. But I thought A and M defensively, especially, handled Miami pretty easily a season ago. But then Auburn, Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Mississippi State before you get the uh, game against Abilene Christian uh, in Week Twelve. That is an incredibly brutal stretch. Is this A and M team built to hold up for for that kind of stretch of conference play? Um, that's, that, that, that is the question. Uh, I, I, I think it's going to be a better, uh, team to, to kind of withstand that test than they did last year. You know, it wasn't maybe as, um, brutal as far as how, you know, the teams are playing, but last year they were away from home, uh, for five straight games with how the schedule went and were just traveling every other week. And so I think they have a little bit of experience of, of being on the road, going against some uh, adversity in that, and and they'll be better off for that this year. Um, but I, I I think it just comes down to what is it that they're putting on the field because you know if they continue to struggle offensively and can't put points on the board, um, then that's going to be a by by week two of that it's going to be a beatdown, and it'll be interesting to see how they can bounce back from that. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think if they can put points on the board, stay in games, it'll it'll be easier. Um, it'll at least be a, a little bit less mentally taxing than it was maybe some of the string that they put together last year. We mentioned the $95 million question, or maybe that number has gone down a little bit, but we have to ask, what happens if? What happens if this is another underachieving season for Texas A&M? I mean, I think there would be a lot more rumblings on saying that they needed to and wanted to move on from Jimbo Fisher. But I, I mean, it would still be in the uh, 80 millions, upper 70s range to try to get rid of him. And I don't think that I, I, I what is the return of return on investment there? Yeah. Because, yes, you're paying uh, an exorbitant amount of money to, to move on. But that's not guaranteed. Not, you're not paying that money to guarantee that it's going to be a better uh, with whoever you bring in next, so I, I just don't think that you you that's too much money. You're you're not necessarily going to get any reinter- return on investment back. You you probably have to write them out at least one more year, get it somewhat more manageable before you uh, move on. But you you never know with with donors and money and everything that goes these days. But I I I, I still don't think that I still think he's safe this year, even if things go. Turn, turn sideways because of just how much money that is. 
I always make the same joke. You know, we're going to go to the pump one day and gas will be $5 a gallon. You'll know, well, they had to buy out Jimbo Fisher. So they, they had to do something. <laughs> I, I get it. Last question. And this is the one we've asked everybody who's done these interviews with us this spring. Uh, when we get to the end of the season, when after the A&M LSU game, what are we saying about Texas A&M uh, this season? I, I, I think you, you do see an offense that's improved. Um, I, but I think that it'll the, the real question mark is it goes back to exactly the first question that you ask is what was the dynamic between Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino? You know, was it uh, a, you know, a, a peaceful harmony between the two that worked well and they coasted into a really good season and, and maybe a win over LSU or was it uh, contentious and was it a power struggle trying to be uh, Jimbo not relinquishing uh, some of those duties that, that he had and, if that's the case, it, it's probably not going to be good. I, I, for, for me personally, I, I've said, said that this new partnership between the two of them is either going to work uh, swimmingly or it's going to be at the biggest dumpster fire ever, ever. I don't think there's a middle ground there. I think it's going to go one of two ways. And I, I haven't necessarily decided what I think that's going to look like, but it's it's going to be a, a binary. It's going to be on one of the polls, and, and it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly how that turns out. We are very interested to see it because Texas A&M, good or bad, the drama is always great out of College Station. We'll see what happens in 2023. Travis Brown, appreciate your time, man. Really good stuff. Anytime. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.